So I was on the internet this past week searching up the most expensive perfume in the world. Who knew? The most expensive perfume in the world from multiple sources in 2015 was Clive Christian's Imperial Majesty, which sells in a 16.9 ounce bottle, not quite a pound, for $215,000. bottles, dollars per ounce. Now the fragrance is made from rose oil, orusis root, jasmine, and Italian cinnamon. The bottle is made of crystal and is so delicate that two out of the three times they try to make this bottle, it breaks. The neck of the bottle is encased and circled with a pure gold ring. And inset into that pure gold ring is a five-carat brilliant cut diamond. Now, it is also... There are only five or six of these in the world. They only make them a few at a time. And evidently, they are delivered to the purchaser in a Bentley. So, who would buy something like this? Who would do that? This is beyond outrageous. Beyond extravagant. Well, once upon a time, a woman took all she had, considerable wealth, maybe an inheritance, and she bought this bottle of perfume. It was to be a surprise, a thank you gift for the man who saved her brother's life. So they held a dinner party, and the evening came, the table was set. Martha had prepared a nice dinner. The company arrived. As the guests were being welcomed, our woman brought the surprise, this beautiful bottle. And she went up to the man to tend his feet, as was the custom for women and slaves to do, to wash the guests after they had been traveling on dirty and dusty roads, when they arrived at the house they were visiting, someone would wash their feet. And so there in front of everyone, our woman broke open this crystal bottle and poured out the whole bottle, all $215,000 worth, onto his feet. on his ankle, on the heel, on the dusty soles. The perfume spilled all over the floor. The little gold ring that had encircled the neck was twisted and lying on the floor and floating in the liquid somewhere under the table, encased in mud now, was a five-carat crystal-cut diamond. 
And then, rather than using a towel to dry this man's feet, she wiped the feet off with her hair. Now, this was bizarre, even in Jesus' time. Nobody spends that much money on perfume. And yes, while it is customary hospitality to wash a guest's feet upon arrival, it is not customary to dump an entire jar of perfume on them and wipe them with your hair. The people in that room that night would have been stunned. Just stunned. Judas said what everyone was kind of thinking. Did this really just happen? How much money was dumped on the floor? He was kind, not to mention the business of the hair. Because that was really inappropriate physical contact. But I think that what got Jesus was the judgmental tone in Judas's voice. Others were mystified, dumbstruck, wondering what had happened, all that money, the public display of affection, not really knowing what to think about, but there was Judas ready to attack. And that's what got Jesus. Leave her alone. She bought it for my burial. As if things weren't strange enough already, she bought it for my burial? Judas tries to steal this amazing moment of love and devotion. In the book of Exodus, temple worship is described, and worshipers are mandated to bring sacrifices. And one such sacrifice is the oil sacrifice, the perfume sacrifice, the nard, which would then be burned as incense to rise and fill the place with a beautiful fragrance simply for the purpose of worshiping God. We are called to give, to worship, to devote. And this is what Mary did. She anointed Jesus. She honored him with her sacrifice of worship. And she anointed him the Messiah. That's what you do with oil. Thou anointest my head with oil. She anointed the humble man's feet as the Christ, as the Messiah. For the Christ, the Messiah, means the anointed one. Mary anointed Jesus as the Christ. And Jesus will not let anyone steal that moment. He protects this extravagant gift, this extravagant moment of pure devotion and love. And he will not even allow Martha to clean up the floor. This story, this beautiful gem of a story, is sandwiched in between sadness and violence 
and illness and death. For Lazarus has just been raised from the dead, and that is wonderful, and that is joyous. But the Pharisees are going to get rid of the evidence. And they've already plotted to kill Jesus, to have him arrested and tried on treason and sentenced to death. Because Jesus is going to challenge the system. In the act of raising Lazarus, Jesus challenges power of the temple and the sacrificial system, and now the sacrificial system is located outside of the temple, not by the priest, but by a woman kneeling as a slave would on the floor. Jesus is protesting the power that robs widows of their homes and neglects orphans. And it will lead to his death. But here at this dinner party, there is this exquisite, exquisite, extravagant moment of love and grace. And we need these moments, how we need them, how we need them in each of our lives, and we must look for them and claim them. I've been visiting a couple who are in their final days, and there's an amazing caregiver taking care of them. And I was having a very tough day when I visited. And the man was in pain, and his wife was sleeping. And I sat with the caregiver. Her father was a pastor in Sierra Leone. And we talked about the couple and how their family had just had a birthday party for the man who had turned 90 and how all of the family came and what a wonderful party it was. And we talked about God's presence in the room. And we talked about how she felt it was a privilege to be there and to take care for them. And we talked about the way in which her spirit filled the room with the fragrance of grace. I visited a long time that day. But it wasn't just for them. It was for me. I pray that you may feel that presence of God's Holy Spirit in this place as our songs and our music rise up to worship God as a sacred offering. As our prayers are lifted up and fill this space. As the light shines through these stained glass windows in beauty 
as God's love shining through the stories of our faith onto us. And we have that beauty. I pray in your own lives that you may able to see the diamonds that come your way. Here today, as we sit in this sanctuary full of love, we pour out that love that we have known in our worship. Worship that is pouring out on a family who so desperately needs our love. Our Syrian family is Muslim. And how badly a Muslim family needs the love from a Christian church. What a gift to be able to pour out our love on this family. And we pour out our love in the gorgeous colors that are strewn around in front of me. We pour out our love in the soft and strong and beautiful blankets and baby booties and lap robes and shawls, all blessed today anointed with our prayers and soon our songs to bring love, the love of God and Jesus Christ from this community to bless, to be one of those sacred moments as they are given and the ill and the sick or the little baby are embraced in our love. Too soon in our story, Jesus' blood will be poured out. But that is not God's will, nor is that blood God's love. The blood that comes out of Jesus' body is the blood of violence and hatred. God's love is what is poured out from the tomb when that crystal bottle is broken open on Easter morning. God's love in opposition to the blood of Christ spilled in violence, that love, that Holy Spirit that floods the world, this is God's extravagant grace beyond belief poured out for us. And there, if we look carefully in the tomb, we might see a ring of gold twisted and lying about. And somewhere in that tomb, maybe even a five-carat, brilliant-cut diamond. Amen.